I'm Ash. And I'm Kim. And this is Translating ADHD. Quick group coaching reminder. Resilience is our next course, and it begins Tuesday, June 13th, meeting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. For more information about this class, including pricing and how to apply, visit the website translatingadhd.com and click on the group coaching tab. So Cam, what are we going to talk about today? So Ash, what we're going to talk about today is keep going in this direction of being misunderstood with ADHD. And I thought we were going to go in one direction, but just some of the engagement in the Discord community had me thinking about a different direction here. And it's really around this dilemma we have of being misunderstood while we are misunderstanding ourselves. Just thought that that is a unique ADHD challenge and sort of what are the root causes of that? that are related to ADHD. And so I think that it really falls in some specific areas. And one is people come up with these simple categories of the ADHD experience, right? Around memory, around time, around emotional management, emotional regulation, attention, motivation, sustaining energy, et cetera. Nifty, nice categories. And as we've said, and I think why the podcast has been received so well is that it's much more than that. I mean, none of us just have a memory issue, how it plays out. It's a mix. And that this mix is happening right here. We've all had this experience of having to explain ourselves, being one down, being misunderstood, having a lifetime of that, not knowing what's going on, not being able to articulate why we did what we just did or why we didn't do what we didn't just do is that right there, our ADHD doesn't take a break. Your ADHD is showing up right now. My ADHD is showing up right now. All our listeners, your ADHD is showing up right now. And so when we go to try to explain a situation, what is that? That is executive function intense. Because what you're trying to do is pull data from some past event, right? There's the time piece, the memory piece, put it into a language that someone can understand and appreciate. So this articulating to explain oneself when we're not quite sure what's going on in the first place. And Cam, if this is happening in the moment chances are we're doing it under suboptimal conditions. We're worked up. We're in fight, flight, or freeze. We're in that defensive crouch, which, as you and I know, by way of what we do for a living, makes it impossible to be curious, to get good, accurate information. Exactly. So, this falls in a couple different areas. And again, today's episode was, was really prompted by a response from one of our Discord individuals. And I'm going to read their post in a moment. But I just want to come back to, you used the term under the hood last week, sort of getting under the hood of what's going on. So this distinction of yours, mine, ours, first and foremost, secondly, is how the ADHD 
may be showing up in this moment. So with your client and the basketball last week, the spouse asking, hey, can you do this? It felt like someone was just throwing a basketball in his face and he wasn't anticipating it. So it's sort of boom, basketball in my face, and it just sort of caught him off guard. So you did the work with him to find out how the ADHD is showing up in that situation in the sense of a need for transition, to transition out of the current place he is, thinking, doing, whatever he's doing, to transition and switch the context to, well, here's my spouse and they're asking something of me. So that's one example of how ADHD can come into play. But what are we stuck with? Your client was stuck with or was living with the frustration and not sure why. So as you said, it never is a controlled environment. That's the funny thing about like many ADHD tests, self-evaluations, any kind of evaluation or testing assessments are in controlled environments. And so if your boss has been, you know, seven times through a situation where it's like, you know, Bob, you said you were going to get that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bob, we feel you, Bob. I feel you, Bob. You know, and is that boss going to be completely understanding? No, they're a human being and they don't understand what's going on. Here's a smart, bright individual, capable, that has shown they can deliver and yet they didn't deliver here and it just doesn't add up. We humans are always trying to make sense of a situation. ADHD does not add up. So then what do we do? We start to fill in and make assumptions. Lazy, stupid, crazy. And that can be from the outside. It can be from the inside. This creates this whole one down thing. So what we do is, then the big signal is, I got to be able to explain myself. That's where I was, Ash. And I just remember it's like, oh, if only I can just explain the situation. But what it came out as more than anything was often excuses. And it wasn't really convincing. And what was missing there was I wasn't getting to what was really going on, right? So under the hood and being able to get to the root of what's going on. So this is the opportunity here, listeners, to get to what is actually going on so we can get that accurate data and work from there. So this whole idea of the big signal to explain oneself I saw this in one of our classes. One of the participants just felt this big urge or need to explain themselves. And again, the motivation there was not to be rejected, to be validated, to be accepted in some way. And there's that outward looking attention that we have. We're not often looking at the inside because it's too complicated. It's that undifferentiated mass you talk about, Ash. (laughs) But this whole idea of understand, own, translate, translate is the explaining part. Start with understand. To be curious about what might be going on, to understand for yourselves first, then to accept it, right? The own part, then starting to translate to others. The other thing, this is where the individual from from Discord was sharing something. I loved her language because she made this brilliant differentiation between 
front emotions and underlying emotions. So I think it'd be best if I just read her post and then you and I can just riff off of that. Yeah. So I just ask people like, you know, we have a channel in the Discord community around episode discussion. And actually it was actually, it was not prompted. She just shared. And I'm just going to go ahead and read that, Ash, if that's all right. Yeah. I love the juxtaposition of being misunderstood, but not really understanding ourselves. So this is in response to what dropped last week around being misunderstood in relationships. I feel like that really has to come first because then maybe we can take it a little less personally when someone else misunderstands us, right? So making it more objective, we don't take it so personally. She goes on. I think one of my big things is interpreting personal signals. Bored and tired feel the same. So I feel bad when I want to disengage from people late at night. In that moment, I think I'm bored and disinterested in them. When in actual fact, I'm just out of juice. Another one is annoyed and hungry. They both feel similar. Fear and anticipation are difficult to distinguish. So I do a lot of avoidance of things I really want to do. And because I don't know how to figure out what I'm really feeling, certainly not quickly, it can lead to misunderstandings when the front emotion tries to deal with the situation for me and the underlying emotion doesn't get a chance to express itself. I thought that was brilliant, Ash. Like, look at that understand aspect and translating. And I think there's a really important piece here. The key thing she said was, it wasn't that she couldn't do it. It was that she wasn't able to do it quickly or in a timely fashion in that moment. So what we talked about then was looking at how you might be able to take board and be curious with board. Is this a front emotion? Is there an underlying emotion that goes beyond board and might be that I'm really tired and I'm out of juice, right? My annoyance that I'm feeling right now, could it be that maybe I'm hungry? So that these initial annoying emotions actually are a gateway or an opening to really understanding the underlying emotions and what we talked about last week, unmet needs. There's a need at play there. I'm tired and I need to say goodnight and go to sleep. I'm hungry and I need to take care of my needs with respect to nutrition. I'm really in this moment of anticipating and it's got me scared a little bit and scared is not bad. So how can I pivot around this and not avoid what I want to do? Cam, one of my absolute favorite things about what you and I do for a living is stuff like this. So much of this show's thought-provoking content starts in a client session, in a group coaching class, in our Discord, with someone else's articulation of their experience, which evokes new awareness for you and I. And so I just love the way that she articulated this. And it certainly has my curiosity wheels spinning. Where have I seen this play out in my life? Particularly right now, 
learning to live with a partner, a new partner in terms of living together, who has ADHD too, and who has a very different manifestation of ADHD than I do. It also reminds me of our upcoming class, right? That resilience, the basis of that is in order to be more comfortable with our experience, it's digging into causation. It's looking at and seeing how is the ADHD showing up so it can inform and we can sort of feel more grounded or tethered and not this sort of the sense of free fall or just floating or adrift to getting a sense of what actually is happening here so that we can really advocate back to ourselves. Right? I don't know if they're thinking, but to articulate at least back to ourselves of, oh, wait, yeah, I'm seeing the pattern here and I'm recognizing what a need is, how my ADHD might be coming into play and tethering to. There was an episode about the disorienting effect of being untethered and how we can re-tether. So here, the community member is really, again, making sense of their situation and it has a grounding effect from this place of understanding. This is understand, own, translate. From this place of understanding, then we can start to do something with that. And that's what I would invite listeners to do is as you're perplexed with, again, ah, I'm just so frustrated with people not understanding me. That is a big, big signal. It matters. But what matters before that is that you understand yourself first. Start there. And to be curious about what might be in play. Is there a need that's not getting met? Is there an underlying emotion that might be kind of hiding out behind this what one of our community members is talking about, a front emotion, right? To dig in there and get curious about that. So Ash, do you want to say more about what's going on with you and the home front and just what you're learning? Sure, Cam. I was actually thinking of a pretty funny and recent example of this playing out in my household. And that is Alex wants to build cat shelves. <laughs> That's where we start. <laughs> Sorry. That just sounds great. No, it's okay. It's okay. Alex wants to build cat shelves. So he wants to put shelves up in our living room for his cats to climb up on and perch on because they did have that in his old apartment. He is a very good cat dad. So his reasons for this are entirely rooted and I want them to get more movement, more simulation, more exercise. Cats like high places, so I want to make sure they have a high place to be in every room. And so he wants to build cat shelves. And the TLDR of the front end of this project is we made some mutual agreements to make that work for both of us because aesthetics in my home matter to me. I want my home to look nice. And so we talked about things like layout, placement, materials, etc., and came to a mutual agreement that I was fine using this wall of the living room for cat shelves. Yeah. And that's kind of where it got left for a time because there were so many and are so many more urgent things in our world until Alex decides one day that he's going to do this. And here's the thing is I have no expectation that Alex is only productive and doesn't do things that he wants to do, even with the amount of urgent things we have on our plate. 
I like downtime. He should have downtime. But this wasn't that. This is the other thing. And we talked about this on a previous episode where Alex runs it up the flagpole. Yep. He gets not just attached to starting, but attached to completion. Which again, if that's his thing, that's okay. Here's where misunderstanding enters the picture. So let me set the scene for you. It is 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh. We're already in trouble. On my heaviest client day, and I have just finished teaching a class. I am ready to have my me time and go to bed. As soon as I get done with class, Alex says to me, I'm going to hang these shelves tonight. So I need to know how to lay them out. Well, for my brain, I have to do things like take cardboard on the wall that's the appropriate measurement so that I can see if it looks correct or not, particularly on this wall where center is not correct because of the way the living room is arranged. So this is a big ask. Well, how do I respond? I respond from those front emotions. I'm tired and now I'm frustrated. (laughs) And so that's what Alex gets back. I'm tired, I'm frustrated, and he knows better to expect anything of me after class is the story I'm telling myself. So that's how I respond. Like, uh, really? So then it turns into a bit of contention. And I finally relent and say, fine, let's go do this. But we're still misunderstanding back and forth because he sees my boredom or my desire to move on to what I call quiet time, that me time, as lack of interest, as disengagement, as not caring about his project, or even worse, as he's telling himself a story that I'm mad at him for prioritizing this over other things, which had nothing to do with it. And of course, he too has his front emotions, right? Primarily things like guilt and shame. My cats need this. I need to get this done for them. I'm hyper-focused on the fact that I'm a little worried about my cat's activity level right now. I'm appreciating when you have two partners that have ADHD. It's a trip, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is a trip because he's got his thing. You've got your thing playing out. And so it's almost compounds the whole misunderstanding piece. As a sidebar, I will say, I don't know how neurodivergent couples do it without being able to do this, right? I'm an ADHD coach and Alex is no stranger to coaching. He's worked with a coach before. Right. So when we are not in that place of misunderstanding of front emotion, taking the reins and running with it, we're generally pretty good about solving for this stuff in the moment. But sometimes we can't, right? Sometimes even with the knowledge we have, those competing front emotions trying to advocate for the underlying need, his need to see this through to completion and my need to have my quiet time, they clash. They really clash. It gets even more interesting. There's just layers of misunderstanding because here's how we ended up coming back to this conversation. On the other side of cat shelves are hung, that was not optimal. Alex definitely recognized that he was running it up the flagpole, but we really hadn't talked about anything else. So we were in the car and Alex asks me, 
in that way that he asks me something that he knows I'm not going to want to do. There's a particular way that he asks me to do something he knows I'm not going to want to do. And so I'm bracing for what is this? And the ask was, if I buy two pieces of wood for a hammer handle, he has restored this old hammer, will you help me pick one out? Yes, I'll help you pick one out. That's easy. Like, that's fun. Why is this so fraughty? Because for him, part of the misunderstanding about the cat shelves was that when he asks for my opinion, I get annoyed. And that was becoming a universal truth for him. So when he asked me about this hammer handle, I made a connection that said, oh, you know, what's really funny is when you approach me in that way of, I know you're not going to want to do this. It goes one of two ways. You're either spot on, right? And it really is something I don't want to do. Or you're so far off the mark, it's not even funny, right? Because I think you're taking the wrong lesson from what happened with the cat shelves. I had no problem. So we sat down and talked about it. I had no problem with you prioritizing the cat shelves. Yes, there are other urgent things, but that doesn't mean that you don't get to do things that are important for you that are not urgent. That was not the issue. I had no issue giving you my opinion. In fact, I demanded that as part of the process. They need to aesthetically look nice. I am the one that has the eye for that. So I need to see them before they go up on the wall to make sure the arrangement is correct. No issue with that. I had no issue helping you pick out stain or fabric or anything else. It was the demand of my time on demand, which can be problematic for me at any time. That's the basketball, right? Right. And particularly, more than once, the demand of my time after 7 p.m., which Alex doesn't get off work until 6. So his frustration at the time was, I don't get off work until 6. So you're basically telling me we have no time for this. No, it's not that. It's that the on-demand was made, right? Had we made a plan in advance, it could have been a different thing. But he wasn't there. He was in his urgency. Right. It takes me right back to the running the flagpole. Yeah. Right. Of not just starting, but, you know, committed and engaging and seeing it through. And, you know, the time really didn't matter. <laughs> the time of 10 o'clock didn't really matter. It was like, this is front and center. This is front and center. And you are standing in the way of me being able to take my next step was his experience of this situation. Right. And how misunderstanding begets more misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Right. And so these different layers, as you said, these layers of being misunderstood. And as you keep going down these paths, it can become more convoluted. And this is human nature. Right? This is not just an ADHD thing, people, that where people will discuss something and they make an assumption. I think we've talked about this ladder of inference where we will take a sample of information. This is confirmation bias. We'll take a sample of information and we will build off that little sample to reinforce a belief we already have. The really interesting thing here, and I think what the person in the Discord community did, what you did with Alex was to talk about it after the fact. This really going through and debriefing. And I think that often we will kind of forget about that opportunity or it's like, well, lost chance that happened and I'm just going to be annoyed and go forward to really think about 
let's go back and look at that. And I'm doing a lot of work with my clients around like reimagining, to reimagine something and how can we have it play out differently? Well, first you've got to go through it again. It can be painful. But I guess the question I have, Ash, is so what was the perspective each of you embraced as you did the debrief, right? You came back, looked at it in a different way with curiosity to we're going to learn from this. But what else? Like, what did you bring to, again, that debrief where you discussed it? Because in that moment, then you started to get clear, right? You started to clear the air of, oh, okay, right? Because that's a huge one. When I share my opinion, my partner gets annoyed, right? That is a belief versus, again, this sort of what's important for you is on demand. Like, we need to do this now. Like, don't surprise me. Don't throw a basketball in my face at 10 o'clock at night. Thank you very much. How do you approach that? What's the shift in your, again, mindset there as partners? Yeah, so in this case, and this isn't always true, we definitely debrief things as an intentional thing. In this case, the entry point was really that noticing on my part of Alex's asking me for something that he clearly thought was going to elicit a negative reaction or at very least the response that he did not want to hear for something that couldn't be further from that. That's what got my attention. And I'm realizing just by virtue of you asking this question that we have this phrase that we both use to kind of open up a conversation there. And I'm noticing, I'm noticing something. We won't even go right into it because we both realize that that type of conversation, there's a time and place for curiosity. I'm noticing something. Is it okay if I toss that out there? Or do you want me to park it for later? And he said, no, toss it out there. And so I shared that noticing. And I talked about the hammer on one end of that pendulum and the cat shells on the other. And I said, <laughs> I think that you are misunderstanding something in here. Clearly you are because so many times you bring me something in that almost pre-defensive crouch way Mm -hmm. it's really not a big deal. So let's go back. If you're open to it, let's go back to the cat shelves and try and figure out what the difference is between these two things. Right. And that's what prompted our delving into what actually happened, what my responses were about and weren't about, right? What his responses were about and weren't about. And his recognition and owning of the running it up the flagpole thing, which is a separate from what we're talking about, but it was part of this situation. And it is his ADHD showing up in a way that doesn't just frustrate me, often frustrates him. Right. Hyper-focusing on one thing to the detriment of everything else is a cycle that he's been trying to have and has been making great strides in having a different relationship with. So the thing that's getting my attention, there are a couple of things that are getting as we wrap up here. Again, this can be tough with ADHD on board and the big signals in this moment in our brain, what's going on. But to reflect, right? Reflection is something that humans don't do enough of. And the benefits of reflection are tremendous. So the two of you are exercising reflection, reflecting upon an experience, kind of like, again, to share what you saw. And then to be open to what the other saw 
or witnessed or their experience. So in doing so, you're doing that looking back in time. And then you're also then thinking about going forward with the next time to anticipate a future event. So this is where we're exercising time in a positive way. The other thing that I'm struck with here is as you lead with curiosity in that statement of, you know, I'm noticing, and you've had some practice here, right? the two of you have practice, just like my spouse and I have practice. When we have a misunderstanding, we have the emotional response and there's that front response or the front emotion, and there might be the underlying stuff. We eventually come around to having that conversation to get to what is actually going on for both of us. The fascinating thing that always happens is a sense of empathy, empathy for the other. And empathy doesn't mean to condone one's behavior. It is just appreciating. Ah, okay. Now this makes sense. Now I understand. So this whole understand, own, translate thing is this understanding of not just ourselves, but again, how we are operating in the world with those who are close to us and appreciating and again, having empathy for, then we can move forward and be more resourceful. So fascinating. Really, really nicely said, Cam. And truly in the spirit of empathy, I'd like to take us out by sharing how this story concluded. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Are the cats, I just want to know, are the cats happy with their shelves? I mean, that's what well, I Well, that's know. what we're getting to. Is <laughs> okay, like, good. The shelves are beautiful and they look really nice in the room. Okay. So one would hope the happy ending to all of this is not only did we cultivate mutual understanding, the cat shelves are complete. Yes, it was a messy process to get there, but check, they're done. I say this with all the empathy in the world for my partner. I'm not bagging on him because I know when I've done the same thing, I get so focused on completion that I miss something and I have to start over. And that's where we are because the cat shelves are too narrow. The cats don't like getting up there because they can't lay down on them because they're ever so slightly too narrow. And I'm going to design a portico, a cantilevered system. I'm going to go to work and I'm going to gift you some kind of extension to make that ledge a little wider. I am on it, Ash. Please don't. <laughs> oh, God, please don't. There's engineers out there who are like kind of clickety click, clickety click, thinking about like, I we can help them. I just going to replace the shelves with wider boards, right? Which is a bummer for Alex because of all of this. But we see the humor in it, right? And I think one of the beautiful things about being in a relationship with an ADHD partner when you have ADHD and when you're able to do this is when he had that realization, we were able to laugh about it together. It wasn't an I told you so moment on my part. You see what happens when you run it up the flagpole. Like, he knows that happened. I don't need to make him feel worse. If anything, my initial response is, oh, babe, oh, I know how that feels. And that sucks. But also, it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is journey thinking. This is an exercise in journey thinking. Right. The catch elves are still not done and may not be for quite some time. However, we got some good nuggets of learning about each other. and. It's a funny story that we will be telling for the rest of time. <laughs> yeah. And as we finish up here, it's that learning aspect is if you focus on the learning and pulling that learning forward, that can go a long way here is to keep the focus on how do we pull the learning forward, extract the learning from these past experiences that may not be enjoyable, frustrating, and 
then how can they inform our next interactions with the people we love? Well said. So let's wrap on that note. And since we're talking about the Discord today, listeners, if you like what we're doing here on the show, one way that you can support us is by becoming a patron. Our patrons cover all of the costs of running the show for Cam and I and ensure that we have the support that we need to keep doing this work. So thank you to anyone who is currently contributing or has contributed in the past. We're so grateful to you. But in addition, becoming a patron gives you access to the Discord server that we've talked about in this episode where listeners are doing this cool thing of doing their own understand, own, and translate work. To sign up, Visit the website, translatingadhd.com, click on the Patreon tab, sign up for five bucks a month, and that gives you access to the Discord server. And until next week, I'm Ash. And I'm Kim. And this was the Translating ADHD Podcast. Thanks for listening.